Well, good morning and uh, welcome to uh, spring break. We have uh, quite a few uh, of our people who are out this week. And you know, we, um, we're glad that people can get away and uh, can, uh, can go and, and get out and, and uh, gosh, take advantage of this awesome weather. Of course, last night, like a freeze frost. It was crazy, this weather. But hey, it could be, um, it could be a lot worse. But I tell you, this uh, beautiful weather we've been having has uh, really just been a gift from the Lord. And uh, if this is your, uh, I'm not sure if we do have any first-time guests, but if you, this is your first time, my name is Frank Bennett. I get the awesome privilege of being lead pastor here at Lake Point Church. And uh, we are excited about what God is doing. Today, uh, I'm, uh, I'm doing a single uh, sermon. And what that means is it's not really time to a sermon series. A lot of times we do a sermon series and uh, be able to walk through either a topic or a book, um, and we've, uh, we usually do something like that. Uh, but sometimes we do some uh, sing-alone sermons, which I actually really love doing those because it gives me a chance to say, okay, what has God been speaking to me lately that is sort of a nugget that can't really been spread out through you know two or three or four or five weeks in a series but what is something that uh god wants to share with the people of lake point church and in our community and so uh, today's sermon is uh, is sort of a, a standalone sermon but next week you don't want to miss out because next week we start a new sermon series called balance and basically what this is, it's about balancing the things in our life. You know, in this world, you know, for those who are, who are called by Christ and those who have accepted Christ as Savior, we ought to live that Christian life. That alone is a lot to balance in this world that we live in. And so uh, how do we change the culture but not be affected by the, cult, uh, the culture? Uh, how do we share Christ uh, in a way that um, is not threatening, but at the same time, people need to hear the truth. And so there's lots of balance that we, you and I uh, need to have in our lives. And even if you're not a believer, there's lots of balance that comes with uh, finances, with, with the relationships, with all kinds of balances that we need to look after. And so we're going to look at what God's Word says about balance and, uh, and I tell you, um, we're even going to look at some examples that Jesus gave us, how he lived a life of balance. But today, we're going to talk about uh, the calling of Elisha, the calling of Elisha. Now, Elisha was a prophet called by God, and uh, he was called, um, and, uh, he was called to basically take the place of Elijah. So we have Elijah, and we have Elisha. Right? Elijah was the one, if you remember going to Sunday school, for those who grew up in church, Elijah was the one that he, didn't, he never died because he got taken up uh, in a chariot of fire up into heaven. And Elijah was called by God, uh, and he used Elijah to share that calling. In other words, he told Elijah, I need you to go down to Elisha and let him know that he's going to be your apprentice and he's going to eventually take your place. And so we're going to look at this calling of Elisha and how God was calling Elisha to something greater, something deeper, and something real. Something greater, something deeper, and something real. You know, there are times in my life and seasons of my life where I felt like, man, God, what, what, do, you, what do you have something that's, that's a deeper, a deeper purpose for me. 
a deeper calling. What do you have for me that's out there that I can make the most impact for your kingdom? In fact, that's the kind of question that started Lake Point Church. I was serving at a, at a local area church at Cartersville First Baptist as a, a worship, and I begin to ask God, after I turned 40 years old, you know, you begin to ask those kinds of questions like, you know, am I doing my purpose and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I began to really struggle with that. I said, God, where do you want me to, to serve? What do you want me to do that's going to make the most impact for your kingdom? The most impact. Uh, I mean, I'm happy where I'm at. I'm comfortable. Everything's great. I could do this till I retire, till the day I die. But where can I make the most impact? Because I wanted something deeper, something greater. And if this was it, then that's awesome. Okay? And then God could use me in that position to, to do something different in that position. And that was fine. But through that, God was speaking to me, hey, I want you to pastor. I want you to go and pastor a church. And then eventually through that conversation and through other uh, advisors that I had around me, other pastors, um, we felt like God was telling, us, telling me to go plant a church somewhere, look up the thing about we were moving somewhere, kind of getting our house, you know, or should we sell our house and kind of getting it ready, and then met up with the guys at Lake Point and they said, hey, we want a church here, and so we moved seven miles down the street. <laughs> wasn't really my plan, but it was clearly, clearly God's plan. But it's the kind of thing that I ask God, God, where can I make the most impact for your kingdom? Maybe you have done that before. Maybe even as a believer, you said, okay, God, my walk with you is a little boring. My walk with you is a little boring. God, I, I, I go to church. I attend church. I, maybe, maybe you pay your tithes. You know, maybe, maybe you serve you know, and, or maybe you're just sitting there it's going, you know, all I do is just go to church, and Monday through Saturday, it's just really dry. In fact, if it wasn't for church, I don't know if I would even live my life as a Christian, as a believer. And so some of you may, as believers, may be asking God, God, where, where can I make the most impact? How can I go into a deeper understanding of who you are? Maybe, maybe you're someone who, who, is, uh, who is not a believer. And you say, what, what is a, the purpose of this life? What am, I, what am I here for? Why do I even matter in this life? Why do I even matter in this life? And so you may be, um, you, maybe some people here today may be thinking, what am, why am I here? What is a deeper meaning to life? And so... But let me tell you something. There is something greater. There is something real. There's something deeper that you can be called into. Either a deeper, more fruitful relationship with Christ. One that's really, really intimate. Okay? I'm, ta I'm, I'm not talking about just being Facebook friends with Jesus. All right? You didn't know you could do that, did you? Yeah. So um, you can be Facebook friends with Jesus. And it's not just being Facebook friends with Jesus. It, it, it's meaning it's having his mobile number, having his, his address, going to his place, going to uh, your knees in prayer, going to God's word to see what he has for you, to see what direction in your life. There is something greater, something deeper. And if you're sitting here and you've never accepted Christ, yes, the stars that you see at night, they were put there by the same person that knows every hair on your head if you have hair on your head. 
And so God knows you and God loves you. And there is something greater, something deeper. So God is calling us to a deeper understanding of his nature, his love, and his purpose. So what does that look like? What does that look like, sort of that, that calling, that moment, when you feel like, okay, Frank, I think, I'm, I think I'm ready for that. I don't know what that looks like, but I think I'm ready for that. You know, I didn't know, when I asked that question, I didn't know what it would look like. I had no idea that God would have me plant a church. In fact, at that time of my life, if God said, go plant a church, you know, immediately without kind of walking me through that and let that marinate in my soul, I would have said, you're crazy. I can't uh, clean out my ear. You know, I don't really hear you well enough, God. But, but it's something different than what I would have planned. And it might be something different that you may have in your mind as well. So you may be asking, Frank, where, what does that look like? Where do I begin? Well, we can look at the story of Elisha. And we're going to be in the, in the book of 1 Kings. Now, 1 Kings is in the Old Testament. And, um, and so you can uh, look through there. If you have your copy of God's Word, would invite you to turn to 1 Kings. And if you don't, we have the Scripture on the screen. And also, we have the new uh, version Bible app. So you can go to Bible.com. We encourage you to do that because you can submit prayer requests. And you can even fill out an a electronic connection card. We just added that this week. And you can have announcements and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's pretty cool. So uh, we're in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21. Okay, so remember, we have Elijah, the teacher, the first prophet there of, of between those two. And then we had Elisha, the student. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Saphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. So imagine that, picture that, right? Twelve oxen, and he had one missing, so he was going to be the twelfth one. So imagine what position he's in. <laughs> Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him, his robe around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said. And then I will come to you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. So here you again. You have a, a Elijah being told by God, Go find Elisha, told him where he was at, and five, six, all the way down to 11 ox, and he's driving the 12th pair. So his view, where he's looking at, is really not a great view, all right? It's not a great view. It's not a really great job. He's, he's plowing. He's making rows in the earth. Maybe you're at a place in your life, you're like, man, that sounds like where I'm at. That sounds like where I'm at. What I'm looking at every day in my life, what I'm looking at with where my marriage is, where my finances are, where my relationships are, where my job is, how, how, how people are treating me, how I'm treating people, man, it looks like my view is the same as Elisha's. 
the rear end of an ox just plowing boring rows in the earth. Man, there's something greater. There's something deeper. There's something more significant for me. I know it. I know it. So, what can we learn from Elisha's story? I believe the story is in here because it's something that we can learn about a higher calling. First of all, Elisha, uh, you got to, just like Elisha, you got to pay attention. You got to pay attention to those things around you. Okay? In other words, Elisha knew about Elijah. Elijah didn't have to have a conversation with Elisha to know what was happening. Because when Elijah took his outer robe, his outer garment, his cloak, and put it on Elisha and walked away, Elisha knew exactly who that was and he knew exactly what that meant. He didn't say, hey, who are you? Why are you interrupting me? Or he didn't say, what is this? This doesn't even fit me. I'm built like an ox. You know, I'm, this doesn't even fit me. No, he did not say that because he knew exactly. Why? Because he was a man that, that was attentive to his surroundings, to how things work. He was, he was attentive to what was going on. Now, Elisha was patient. I, in, I, I'm sorry, Elisha was faithful in his calling. He was faithful to his work that he was doing, still plowing. He wasn't someone who was like, well, I feel like God is calling me to do something. And so this plowing, this making rows in the earth is just something, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm above this. So I'm just going to sit and, and wait for that calling to come around. Can I tell you something? God is not going to call you to something greater if you're just sitting around not being faithful with what he's given you. Let me say that again. God is not going to call you to something greater if you're just sitting around not being faithful for what God has given you. If he's called you to be, to be faithful in a little thing, he's going to give you something more. So I encourage you, stay steady, pay attention to what is happening. Pay attention to what is going around you. God, just like Elisha, God is conspiring to call you to something greater. Elisha didn't know that Elijah and God were having this conversation, talking about Elijah. He didn't realize that. Bible's not, Bible does not say that. So just like Elisha, God is conspiring. He's planning something in your life and he wants to take you to the next level to something deeper something greater now that doesn't mean you got to go plant a church okay that doesn't that doesn't mean you got to surrender your life to full-time full-time ministry no i mean you just and god may be calling some people to do that but it just means that god's calling you to something deeper in your walk to something with a greater purpose and so God could be making those plans in your life. And so you need to be 
You need to be watchful for the interruptions in your life. Elisha was interrupted. He was going about his life, his normal life, mundane life, and he was interrupted. That's how God will speak to you in your life. You will be going along and, and, and pay attention to what God's doing. Yes, you want to watch for those things. You want to watch for those interruptions in your life because that is God's way of speaking to you. Examine the interruptions. God is using you. Examine those interruptions that sort of knock you off your rhythm, off of your pace. For instance, getting a promotion in your job. Say, wow, that's awesome. That's great. I wasn't expecting that. Maybe God is interrupting your life and giving you something to use for his glory. Let's, let's turn a coin. Let's flip the coin on the other side. Lost my job. Oh, my gosh. God, why did you do that? Why? I'm faithful to you. I tithe. I'm, you know, and, and, and you go take my job? No, that's not really how we should react. But when, when, when an interruption like a job loss happens in our life, take that as an opportunity that maybe God wants to call you to do something else. There have been pe people in our church who've lost their job, steady serving, they didn't blame God, and they got another job that paid more. Now, that, that's great. That is, that is a, a great um, illustration, an example, how God could take something and give something better back to you. Now, I'm not saying that if you serve and if you give your, your tithes, that God's going to bless you with more jobs. No, I'm not saying that at all. There are preachers who preach that. We don't preach that here at Lake Point. But I do know this, that God has something better for you and for me, something deeper. And he can use interruptions like a job loss or a job promotion or maybe uh, a new relationship, a new relationship in your life. If, you, if you're single and if there's a new relationship in your life, you're like, hmm, there's a sparkle in the eye and this could be possibly the one, I don't know, but it could be a, a new relationship that God be, could be putting in your life that it's an, eru an interruption. And then your, your, your life kind of goes a, a new direction. And so that's God's way of saying, you know what? I want to use this for my glory. So you want to pay attention to what's happening around you. You want to watch for those interruptions. The, um, the next thing that Elisha did after he was sort of attentive and he knew it was Elijah and he knew what that meant, that calling, the next thing is that, is that Elisha told people. So you want to tell others. You want to tell others. Elisha went and he said, okay, Elijah, time out. Okay, I, I know what this means. But can I please go say goodbye to my family and then what he, what he, the Bible said, he threw a party. He threw a party. And he was telling people, hey, this is my new gig. This is what I get to do. And so he took time to tell others. He didn't just say, 
um, hold on, Elisha. Let me tell mom and dad something real quick. Hey, mom, dad, I just, I'm going to go on this little trip. Um, so you might hear from me later on. You might not. No, that, that's, a way, that's a way back to his old lifestyle. He's got to tell people to, to fully say that I'm committed to going the, the, uh, the full length of what God's calling me to do. And so he told people, and we have to tell others to do. Uh, to accept Christ as a Savior. One of the things that, that God wants you to do, uh, one thing you have to do is, is to tell people. Because if you are ashamed about your relationship with Jesus, if you're ashamed to tell others about what decision you made, then Jesus is going to be ashamed of you when we stand before the throne of God, before the judgment seat of God. If you truly have accepted Christ as Savior, you want to tell people. You want to say, I made a change. I made a change in my life. And so, and another way that people could tell that is through baptism. If people have not, if you're sitting here and you have made a decision to follow Christ and you have never been baptized, that is the best way to tell others about your relationship with Christ. Get baptized. Tell others about your relationship. You want to uh, tell others to, uh, about your change in your, in your marriage. If you feel like God's calling in your marriage to something better, something more thriving in your life, and you've made that decision, okay, God has called me, he's put his, his robe of holiness in my marriage and I'm going to take this, and I'm going to take it to the next level, and I'm going to follow God and be, be obedient, and I'm going to tell people. I'm going to tell people in my small group, my marriage for the, for the last how many months, how many years has gone to pot. And so I'm telling you right now, we are going to do everything we can to get it back to walking in holiness. You've got to tell others. People who, people who are more successful at losing weight, something simple like that. I mean, it's not simple, but some, something like losing weight, people are more successful in, that can hold them accountable. And so you want to be able to, to tell others. If you feel like God's calling you, calling you to lead a small group, to, uh, whether it be here at the church or lead a prayer group at, at work or at, around, the, uh, around the school, a lunch table, you want to tell others. You want to tell people. So just like Elijah, you want to uh, pay attention to your surroundings. You want to tell others. And then last, you need to burn the plow. You need to burn the plow. And that scripture we read talked about how Elisha took all of his oxen and he slaughtered them. And he, he fed the ox, to people in his family, in his community, just had a huge party. And then he burnt his plow. He didn't sell it to maybe buy it back later. He burnt it. Burned it up. What is that saying to us? It's saying that when we feel like God's calling us to something deeper, something real, something with a greater purpose in our life, then we need to burn the plow. We need to go back and burn, get rid of the way 
back home. The excuse, the draw to go back home, to go back to our old way of life. What does that look like? If you want a better marriage in your life, there's probably going to be, might be, some friends, maybe on Facebook, you just need to unfriend. Or there might be some people in your life that you need to block on your phone. You know, it, it, men, if there's certain lady coworkers, it might mean that you don't go by that hallway. It means you go somewhere else. And if you have that, that Facebook friend or that phone number, you get rid of it. Ladies, if, if someone in your life is, is, is talking negatively about your husband and how he's not doing this and not doing that, he's just egging that on, that is negative feedback in your life, and that's going to bring down your marriage. You need to tell that person, we're not going to talk that way anymore, and if they continue to do so, you need to block them from texting you, from calling you. Burn the plow. Burn the plow. It could be going to uh, uh, living a life of holiness, of uh, what movies you watch, what music you listen to. I remember when I was in uh, early high school, between my freshman and sophomore year, uh, God was really moving in my life and my heart in a huge way. Had a great um, student. Uh, ministry, and it really wasn't much bigger than, than the one we have right now, but it was the people that were, that were part of that, and it was the leadership, and, and some of my friends that I made there in the youth ministry, they challenged me to live a life of holiness, and so we walked together, and what I did, I, I was listening to some wholesome music. What did I do? I took my cassette tapes, and students' cassette tapes are these things that are like rectangular, and sometimes you had to get a pencil and, you know, do this, yeah, and maybe scotch tape to repair it and that sort of deal. Um, had a side one, side two. So I, I took my cassette tapes of some of the music I was listening to. What did I do? I ripped out the ribbon and some of that and threw it in the trash. Now, what I do, there were probably some music that I probably would would not do that to nowadays. I mean, some of that stuff wasn't extremely bad. But in that time of my life, I felt like, I felt like God was saying, I want your heart truly devoted. And music, that music was my idol. It was my idol. So I got rid of it. I burnt the plow. I burnt the plow. Um, it could be your, um, your credit cards. Say, if, you, if, you're, if your finances are in a position where you're not really honoring God with your money and, and you're putting things on credit to satisfy you and your wants and not really giving that 10% to the, to the Lord like he, like he wants and he requires, and that is becoming an idol in your life, Take those credit cards and cut them up. Burn the plow. Don't go back. Well, Frank, they'll, they'll still send me credit card 
options and in the mail. Yes, they will. Just rip them up. Keep burning that plow. And yes, Elisha did it once. He burnt the plow once, but sometimes we have to do it again and again and again. Burn that are causing your, your finances to not bring glory and honor to God. And so you want to be able to kiss the world goodbye. That's what Elisha did. He literally kissed his mom and dad, threw a party, burnt everything, got rid of everything, and the only thing he brought were the clothes on his back and, of course, the outer robe that Elijah gave him. And he went and followed his calling. So when God's calling us to something greater, we cannot turn back. I'm sure you've heard the story of Hernando Cortez back in 1519. Hernando Cortez led a raiding group of, of conquistadors to the Aztec Empire, which is now known as Mexico. And he sailed of Mexico. And why did Hernando Cortez do such a thing in 1519? Because the Aztec Empire, which had existed for over 600 years, the Aztec Indian Empire held lots of gold and lots of silver. And so Hernando Cortez, being a conqueror, that's what he does. You know, I, I guess that could be his job description. You know, some people are plumbers. Some people are teachers. Some people are accountants. What do you do? Oh, I'm a, I'm a conqueror. <laughs> you know, I'm a conquistador. And so that's what he does. He goes and he conquers and he, and he gets the loot and, and he gets gold and silver. But here was a problem with Hernando Cortez. Hernando Cortez, he had about 500 soldiers and about 100 sailors on 11 sailboats. And so these 600 men... 500 really trained for fighting. But these 600 men were, um, were going to bring down this Aztec Indian Empire that no one has been able to bring down for over 600 years. They were extremely outnumbered. Extremely and so Hernando Cortez knew that. So what he did when he landed, history and the stories tell us that he, he got all the men on the beach and he spent quite a bit of time on the beach there on the eastern side of Mexico before they went close to the, where the Aztec Empire uh, capital was. And so he talked to the men and he shared the vision of what they could do with this gold, with this silver. They said, imagine the things you can do. Imagine what you can do with the gold. Imagine what you, you could do with the silver. Imagine the things. 
And so he shared the vision. And what it did, he got the people excited about what they could do with the money. And so the men, when it came time to, uh, to, to conquer the Aztec Indian Empire, Hernando Cortez said, all right, guys, before we go and, and, and conquer these guys and get our gold, yeah, get our silver, yeah, before we become rich men, here's what we have to do. We have to burn the boats. Wait, did, did I hear you right? Did you just say we have to burn the boats? The 11 boats that we have out in sea? Yes, we have to burn the boats. Okay, so if, if we burn the boats, then that means we, we can't go back home, right? Exactly. Um, that, so that means that we either, we either conquer this empire and become really rich people or we die. Yes, those are your two options. Burn the boats. Even with the revolt of some of his men, he got it done. He burnt the boats. And history tells us they defeated the Aztec Empire with 600 men and no way of going back home. He destroyed them. And so Cortez knew if I get these men to, to fight for something that they're really excited about, remember he got them excited about this new vision, this, this treasure that they could have. And so he got them excited about that, but if, if these men know that there is another option, another way to go back home, they're not going to give it their all. They're not going to give it their 100% because Cortez was an all or nothing kind of guy. It was all or nothing. It was be a rich man, be a conqueror, or die. All or nothing. That was Cortez. What do you have to burn in your life? What options exist in your life that you have to burn? What is God calling you to? Just like Cortez talking to the men, what is, God, what is that vision that God is sharing with you? The vision for your life, your marriage, your finances, your relationship, your walk with Christ, you as a, as a person. What is that vision that God has given you? And what could be the thing that's standing in the way. Because let me tell you something. The thing that stood in the way between those men and the gold was not the Aztec Empire. It was not them. It was the boats. It was the other option. To quit and go back home. So what boats in your life, what options in your life are you holding on to? What options are you holding on to? Are you an all? Are you going about this all or nothing 100%? I know, I know there's some things of fear. 
I know there's some things to face. There's some enemies. There's some enemies of, of shame. Trust me, fear for, with, with what God's called you to, to do. Trust me, when I asked God that question back a few years ago, and he told me finally where I was, what I was supposed to do, let me tell you something. I had lots and lots of fear about that. And there are things that God is calling me to, not, I mean, not church stuff, I'm, I'm here till I die, but God is calling me to do some things in my life that I know I need to make better, to have a better purpose, a bigger purpose. And so right now, there's some things in my life I'm like, okay, that is going to be hard, but I've got to burn some boats. I've got to burn some options because I can't go back. And I'm never going to go 100% all the way if I know there's another option. And so I know there's going to be enemies that you'll have to face. But retreat is easy when you have the option. Retreat is easy when you have the option. And so as we, as we try to have a deeper relationship with Christ, know this, Jesus Christ is that ultimate treasure in our life. Jesus Christ is that ultimate treasure. And the thing that could be holding you back from that closer walk with Christ, to have Christ be imminent in your marriage and your finances and in every area of your life, to Christ have full control are the things that you have to burn. But Christ is your treasure. Now understand this. When you, when you burn the boats in your life, you're not trusting in you. You're trusting in Jesus. So when you, you're trusting in God. So when you burn the boats and you decide, I'm going to get rid of that option, you're not putting trust in yourself. You're putting trust in Jesus. We can trust it all to him. Trust everything to him. At this time, every head bow, every eye closed. You know, we like to have a, a, a moment of, of response, of decision making. And so with that, we know, we know that God wants to do something here in this place. We know that God wants to take this moment, take this word he's given to us, and let it begin to marinate in our hearts. And let it begin to do its work in our life. So as you're sitting there, I want you to think about that air in your life, that you know God's calling you to something bigger, something greater, something deeper with a more impactful purpose. What is that area in your life? Identify that. Now I want you to think about what are some things that could be holding you back from that? What are some things in your life that could call you back home, that could make you retreat, to give up, 
What are those things? Put those in your mind. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's an, it's an action. It's a certain lifestyle. Whatever that is. I want you to identify that. And now what I want you to do is I want you to give that over to the Lord. I want you to just tell God the Father, God, this is holding me back. This is going to hold me back. I need help to burn my boats. I don't want to go back home. I don't want to go back to that old way. Ask God right now to help you with that. And now tell, tell God the Father, I trust you. I trust you. My dreams, all my plans, my desires, I trust you, God the Father. Lead me to something deeper, something greater.